Thank you for tuning in to another session of What Does the Book Say with Ken. Jason's absent tonight. Um, Why we do this? I do this because I want to make sure that the true word of God gets out. Um, I believe that you don't need a doctorate or a theologian degree. I think like the book says, God uses the base things the weak things, the beggarly things, to confound the wise. And the very first apostles of Jesus were fishermen, house builders. And it's just, I look around and I see churches, mega churches, and they're taking so much money in and charging a mission, and that's not what the book says. When I look in Ephesians, and it's Ephesians 2, 8, for grace by your saved through faith, and that it's not of yourself, it's the gift of God, not of works, least any man should boast. It's God's gift. How can I take that gift, turn around, and charge people for it? How can you go around and tell people you have to be baptized, you have to be at church every week? Remember, when Paul's writing all his letters, and he's thanking people like a Priscilla and Aquila and all the others, they were homes. They were people that were like homeschooled. They went into people's houses. They ate. They had just a great time spreading the word of God. And I think that we've lost that. I think that we have lost the true meaning. People you know, go to church now and they want to feel good, which is not a bad thing. Uh, They spend 30 minutes singing and another five minutes talking about the Old Testament. And then they spend another maybe 10, 15 baptizing and, you know, reading prayer cards. But they don't get into the meat and potato and the deeper things of what the Holy Spirit wants us to learn. It's God's free gift. It's it's what he did for us, not what what, what we could do for him. It's impossible to please God without faith. So when you look at some of these mega churches and you see them on the news and they're being bashed for doing things that they're not supposed to be, but then Sunday they come along and they give you a sermon, I, I just don't get it. That's why I want to do this podcast of what does this book say? I've never read a a passage where it says that you go confess your sins to uh, a man and he forgives you. And, you know, it always says confess him to Christ. And through his blood and through his redemption, we are saved. Period. It's his gift. Why do I need to be absolved by somebody that, one, how can he absolve me? He's not the Lord. But anyway, I don't want to digress too much. I do want to get into what does the book say. Because Ephesians is just a great book. And even in Ephesians 3, verse 9, Make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world has been hidden God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. It's that word fellowship. We've lost that fellowship. And even in verse 7 of uh, chapter 3, Wherefore I made a minister according to the gift of grace of God 
given unto me by the affection working of his power. He didn't go to school. He didn't sit there and go to all these classes and be taught what they wanted him to be taught. He got it from God. And I think that's what we need to do. We need to get it from God and from this book. Because if it's not from this book, you run from it. Remember what Paul says in Ephesians 4. There is one body, one spirit, even as you are called into one hope or love of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all, and through you be all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. There's that word gift. But the casual reader would just, just go right by this. One body, one faith, one baptism. And that's the baptizing power of the Holy Spirit placing you into the body of Christ. So if somebody says you need to be baptized or you need to do this, you need to do that, that's not what the book says. That's what their church says and that's what their church doctrine is. But that's not the doctrine of what this book tells us. The doctrine of this book says that after the cross there is one baptism. And that's the baptism power of the Holy Spirit. Because Paul says, I did not come to baptize. I came to preach the word of God. I came to teach all men the mystery of what Christ is. And like I said, I love Ephesians. And I also love Colossians. I think that if you do not, like I said, read the book. I mean, people sit there and they watch 40 minutes of TV and they don't give five minutes to God. But when Christ was nailed to the cross in Colossians 2, verse 14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances, which was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way and nailing it to his cross. That's the Ten Commandments. That's all the Judeo law that we as Gentiles can't even get into because we are not God's chosen people earthly. We're God's chosen people spiritually. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them. Let no man therefore judge you. Paul even tells us that let no man judge you in meat or drink or respect of a holy day or the new moon or the Sabbath. What he's telling you is anything like baptism, communion, or anything else that somebody says you have to do, he says that they can't do that because it says they were a shadow of things to come, but, but, but the body is of Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward and voluntary humility of worshiping. It's a humility to worship. And then even going into chapter 3, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things above. For Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. Set your afflictions on those things above, 
not on the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with God, Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear in him in glory. We've lost our way. We go to church. We get 30 minutes, maybe, or an hour. Somebody talks about Old Testament thunder and all this other garbage, and they don't teach us the meat and potatoes that it's God's free gift. How many people of you have, have even, even read during this time of grace what we're judged by? People think that, oh, John 3.16. No, that was for the Jews. What we're judged by, if you turn to Romans, and please grab your book and follow along. Go to Romans 2, and in verse 16. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, it's according to my gospel. Whose gospel? Paul's gospel, not John's, not Luke, not Mark, not Matthew, not even Jesus. Paul's gospel. And what is Paul's gospel? 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. That's our gospel in this age of grace. And it reads, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you, the gospel which I preached unto you, which you also have received, and whereon you stand, by which also you are saved. It says you're saved. I mean, that's, you are saved. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, who Paul preached, unless you have believed in vain, for I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture, and that he was buried, and on he rose again on the third day, according to the scripture. That's how we're saved, period. Do you see, do you see going and talking to some creepy guy in a cabinet and telling him, oh, I'm confessing my sins? Doesn't even say we're, <laughs> we confess our sins. It says, if we believe that Christ died on the cross for our sins and for us, we believe in that and we rest that he rose again on the third day. And when he rose, he rose sin free again. And our sins were buried with him in baptism. That's why he was buried. He immersed our sins into the ground. And when he rose, we rose with him, clean. I'm not telling you that grace is licensed. What I'm telling you is that you can't be judged by another man according to those sins because anything that you, have, you can do, God forgives you. But you got to learn from it. You can't go around and keep doing it. But you don't have to talk to some dude in, a, in this stinky old cupboard. Once again, I've never seen any around your deathbed. You get absolution. Where is it that the Virgin Mary has all these powers? You don't see it. It's not in a book. But going back to Romans, go to verse 
Go to chapter 16, verse 25. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel. What gospel? That through the death, burial, and resurrection you're saved. And that the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery. What mystery? That through the death, burial, and resurrection you're saved. Which has been kept secret since the world began. But now is made manifest by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandments of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. That's where that word faith is. It's impossible to please God. It says in Hebrews, it's impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible. Some people think that I make too much of Paul and I, I beg to differ. Everybody thinks that the church in Judea was the first church. It was not. And once again, you can prove it. Go to Acts 11, 26, I believe. And by the way, um, the 12 apostles never preached to any Gentiles except for Peter. And the people that they sent out in Acts, uh, 9, Acts 11, 19, now they which were scattered abroad about the persecution of Stephen traveled as far as Phoenix, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching to the word to none but Jew only. They only preached to Jews. God wanted salvation to go everywhere. That's why he picked the Apostle Paul. And if you go down and you read in verse 26, and remember, this is after supposedly the gathering. By the way, church is a poor interpretation for what uh, the ecclesia, that's the Greek word, which means gathering or a called out assembly, which is a better term. Uh, called out assembly. But, you know, some translators like the word church. But, uh, even in uh, Exodus, where it talks about Moses, and he says the church in the wilderness. How could it be a church in the wilderness when they built the tabernacle? It's a called-out assembly. But if you want to use the word church, here you go. And when he found Paul, that's Barnabas, found Paul, he brought him to Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with, with the church and taught much people. And the disciples there were called Christians first. Hold on. I just thought a bunch of people tell you that the first church was in Judea during uh, Pentecost in Acts 1 through 3. Never called them Christians. These were the first Christians. Paul was the apostle of the Christians. Christians are people who believe in the death, burial, and resurrection you're saved. And I'll prove that in many more uh, podcasts, hopefully. And what, like I said, I want to do this to share knowledge of what the book says. I'm not here to get paid. I don't feel that spreading a free gift, you should profit from it. I feel that if a church is going to collect anything, uh, the pastor should do it free and work from his own hands. He shouldn't collect money. It's not a job. It should be a passion. How can you take money from a poor person 
that's eating cat food and you're riding around in a Bentley. Makes no sense. That's why Paul says you put your sights on heavenly things. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't go around and buy a TV or you buy stuff. You don't show it off. You don't make it an idol. You, God hates idols. That's why the Jews always got in trouble with idolatry. So you never take anything that God blesses you for granted. But you got to give God thanks. You got to walk your Christian walk. And what is the Christian walk? Well, starting with Acts eleven twenty six, who were the first Christians? The people who Paul taught in Antioch were the very first Christians. If you just turn back to Acts 10, God sends Peter to a, a, a Roman centurion named Cornelius. And Peter had a vision. And God forced him to go there. And in a later podcast, I will reveal to you why I think that, uh, why he did it, why God made him go there. And that was the, the first and last time that Peter went to a Gentile uh, until he met Paul. But anyway, going to Acts chapter 10. And... You go to, let's see here, Acts chapter 10, verse 28. Now, Peter goes into the house. He's talking to this Roman centurion. And now he is supposed to go around and teach Gentiles, because that's what all these people think, that Peter sits at the pearly gate with your name on it. But anyway, and he said unto him, you know that it is unlawful for a Jew to keep company with a man from another nation. Wait a minute. I thought they were Christians. This just shows you that they were law-keeping Jews. Peter, at this point, does not believe in the death, burial, and resurrection because he knows his sins would be saved. He is keeping the law, which means he's doing temple worship, which means he's taking a turtle dove to sacrifice to God for any sins that he that he does. So how can you take what the apostles, the 12 apostles, and mix it with what Paul does? What these churches do is they mix law and grace and they blenderize it as a, as a great Bible teacher. Check him out. His name's Les Feldrick. He's a rancher. He doesn't take any money. Anything that people send him as far as donations, he buys TV time up to spread the word of God. And he works with his own hands. And if he needs money, he sells a cow. And that's what you're supposed to do. We're not reverends. We're ambassadors. We're ambassadors of Christ. We're supposed to go out and teach people what the true word of God is. Not what man-made doctrine is. See, faith is taking God at his word. And I believe... In Romans chapter 5, uh, maybe it's chapter 6, let me see here, maybe it's chapter 5, therefore being justified by faith, it is chapter 5 verse 1, being therefore justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. 
by whom we have also access by faith unto the grace wherein we rejoice. It's all by faith. It's all through the resurrection. Even in chapter 8, there is no condemnation to them that return Jesus Christ, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Well, if there's no condemnation, and I'm not condemned, why am I asking for forgiveness of sins? It doesn't make sense. It's, it's that kind of stuff why I do this. And I hope it's, I hope people like it. And if you got any comments, email me. But it's true. I, I love the Word of God. I think that I wish more people would read it. For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what does a man seeth? Yet he hopes for? Question mark. We should put as much time into this book as we do anything else. And some I know I don't do it enough. I wish I would. I have to. God does so much for us. He died for us. I mean, how can you not? In chapter 6 of Romans, it says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism unto his death. We are immersed and placed into him. Remember what, remember what I wrote, uh, read to you in Ephesians? There's one baptism. This is it. Unto death, like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, so shall we. You know, it says uh, that Abraham was justified by faith. Abraham was a Gentile. He wasn't a Jew. His son was the first Jew. But it says he was justified by faith and God counted him righteous. He didn't get to have to get baptized or talk to somebody or pray to Virgin Mary. He took God at his word, and that's what we're supposed to do. You know, I met a, um, a priest of the Lutheran faith, and I asked him a question. I said, how many animals did Noah bring on the ark? What was the count? Because every time you see these paintings, you see two elephants, two by twos. And that's exactly what he said, two by twos. Just as a, a whim, you guys look up how many animals and birds Noah actually took. It's way more than two by two. And that's why I do this. I want people to look into the book. Don't take my word for it. Read it for yourself. That's why I'm giving you the chapters and verses. That's why I want you to read along with me. Crack your book open. Look at these things. I want people to know that they're saved by grace. That they're saved by taking the faith of Jesus Christ and keeping it in their heart, knowing that he did it all. What can I do? 
the only thing I can do is try to bring glory to his name. Because I'm a sinner. I'm a piece of junk, man. I'm, I'm a, I, I, I was a liar, conniver, everything. And I know that he paid for all that. I used to look at porn and all that. How can I do that now? How can I make the Holy Spirit grieve? And it might sound foolish to some of you guys, but that's the way I look at it. How can, if he did this for me, at least I can walk the best walk I can. You know, I found something in my shopping cart, and I'm about 10 minutes from the Target, and I found out that the lady didn't charge me. My wife goes, why don't you just, you know, do it for the next time that we go to Target, because I know that I'm lazy, and I won't do it. I got in the truck, drove down there. I mean, it was only a $2 item. But I went in, I paid for it, and I came home. Spent more than that in gas. But it was the principle. I'm not saying that I'm perfect. I'm just saying that I try to live my life by that code. And I don't succeed all the time. Oh my gosh, I don't. But I try. And I know when I fall, and I fail, and I do fail, God lifts me up. He says, I'm going to use this as a learning lesson for you. And you're going to walk a little bit better next time. And I do. I fail again. He picks me up and goes, guess what? It's a little bit more learning. And education is not, trust me, it is not cheap. Education is expensive. Any, even worldly education is expensive. And no lesson learned, whether it's love like your first love and it tears you up, guess what? You learn from it. Everything can be used as a learning. And I think God does that. Like he says, the, the low things, the base things to teach us. Once again, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a theologian. I'm not, not even saying I'm an ambassador. Because that's what the book says. We're ambassadors. I just want to seek fellowship. That's what the first churches were. And they were, I bet you they were great. They brought potlucks, they cookies, and, you know, they didn't have much. And what they had, they shared. And not once did they make a donation to themselves. Every time that Paul wrote, he wrote donations to the poor. Because that's what we're supposed to do, is help our fellow man. Because Paul writes... If we love our neighbor like ourselves, we have fulfilled the law. Even though it's nailed to the cross, it's the love, the law of love. And guess what? Christ didn't die for a righteous man. He died for you and I, unrighteous. Anyway, I try to keep these things to 30 minutes. Because after that, I babble too much and go on tributaries, and I don't mean to. But I just love this book. And I hope you like this one. And the next podcast, uh, hopefully it will be a little bit shorter in time. And we will go, I will 
do a podcast on exactly what I said earlier about how ministers should be using their own hands, working, because it's God's free gift. And I'll show passages about God's free gift and that, um, yeah, I think that would be a way to go. Because remember, Paul was a tent maker. If he needed money, he made a tent. And that's who we're supposed to follow. And I'll add that in there too. Well, thanks for listening. And um, if you like it, send me an email. And um, thank you. And God bless everybody that listens. And just want to pray for everybody. Lord, thank you for this ability to go on this platform. Please give comfort to those who need it. Please guide us. Please show us what you want us to learn. And I know there's troubling times out there right now and people go to church wanting to find fellowship. Please grant them that. Please grant them the peace. And just bless everybody, Lord. In your glorious name, amen.